This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the 341st episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by our lovely patrons, Ethan Eskelson and Turtle. I'm Warren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlow. Today we're talking about first impressions, how you make them, how important they are, and how they've evolved in this new video conferencing, teleconferencing, work from home world. Goodbye water bottles, hello sweatpants. I think there's two things that I've been thinking about lately, and one of them is making a good impression on a call. I think I spoke a few episodes ago about a call I had with an agency that for some reason, didn't go that well. I thought it mm-hmm. went fine, but they immediately were not interested in me after that call. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just made me, I've had calls with clients and agencies and people and collaborators and all that stuff. I'm sure we all have, but I never really analyzed my performance in those calls as much mm-hmm. as, you know, when you have like a big fail. Uh, so I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And also just in general, I've been, uh, you know, pitch on commercials and commercials. Famously, people will hire you if you've done the thing that they want to do before. Mm -hmm. Like right now, I'm in the situation where somebody wants to do a commercial that's kind of like a 90s sitcom intro Mm -hmm. style commercial, Mm -hmm. you know, the... uh, yeah, too many cooks. Too many cooks yeah. in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, but um, like Family Matters or, or Full yeah, House. Full House, or, yeah, 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 yeah totally. Postcard Row in San Francisco is kind of like the mm-hmm. classic shot mm-hmm. of people running around like over the hill in the, that park over there. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out what I should send for that because I'm sure we all have, uh, like all, all the people listening and stuff have made things that are like, oh, that it, you know, someone wants to see if I can shoot basketball. And I actually shot this like basketball thing mm-hmm. eight years ago and it got a million views because it was went viral for some reason. But now I look at it and the production value is really, really bad. And so should I still show it or not? So I, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about your thought process when you, you have a sample that is exactly right, but you don't personally love it um, mm-hmm. and when how you weigh showing it or not. So so those are the two things I wanted to talk about. So before we, we hop into that, I will do a quick plug for our Patreon, patreon.com slash shootapod. It's a place where you, can, where you can go and support us, help us pay for our editors, our servers. We are actively planning a live event. We're talking to venues and things, so it's going to help us get that going. Uh, so patreon.com slash shootapod uh, at the $20 level, you, we will send you a hat. 
Uh, I was also going to say, we got two uh, $15 patrons, and you were just like, well, I'll send them a hat anyway. <laughs> yeah, so. you, don't, you, you don't need to give away that inside secret. Now we'll know who edited this episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I think at the $20 level, guaranteed hat, $15 level, potentially, if I'm, if I'm feeling yeah, we'll extremely see. generous, I'll send a hat. We'll see. Maybe Maybe you let it cycle through yeah it kind of depends on uh, my personal times. life whether you yeah, get a hat yeah. or not at the 15 dollars level but before yeah. we get into our topic of first impressions i would love to know matt what have you been working on lately regular listeners of the podcast will know i'm in development on a, a feature film oh yes Oren and i have have a bet um about whether or not uh, i'm going to shoot it this calendar year it is october 11th when we're <laughs> recording this episode yeah and you know uh i have said on the air that um what was the bet a thousand dollars i think it was a uh, one 000? open hand slap <laughs> i think that's what it was <laughs> i literally would pay you to not have to slap you yeah that's same, how, same. sounds that's terrible not across the board yeah. Yeah, in that. really ter- like, uh, yeah, it was a $100, $100 doll hairs. Oh, shoot. Uh, so I'm going to go get a doll and uh, which uh, with inflation, that's quick. actually worth significantly more oh, than $100. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm headed to American Girl after, right <laughs> after this recording. Um, no, so, uh, but I, I have said that, like, I kind of have made peace with knowing that I won't shoot at this calendar year just based off of the nature of how long it takes to develop things basically I, when we had initially made this bet i was going to um do it without any sort of uh, external support any other companies or anything like that and then one came on board and this and that and you know obviously that slows things down which is the lesson for everyone and so now i'm kind of running in two parallel paths because i got a, a nice little bit of news that w- one company a relatively big one you would recognize i uh, really loved the script and this is a production company, like someone that could help you. This is a production company. Attach talent and raise finances mm-hmm. and then go actually produce the film. Exactly. Exactly. The equivalent of like if, you know, a studio wanted to make your movie or something like that. But it's far less committal in terms of language. They just really liked it. They're like, hey, who's going to be in it? Basically, the reason I bring it up is because I think it creates an interesting crossroads and and complication for me. Because meanwhile, I've been preparing a WeFunder campaign, uh, regular listeners will recognize WeFunder as a crowdfunding platform um, that allows people to invest in films or and startups and all sorts of other things. But unlike Kickstarter or something like that, uh, you're you're buying into the project, basically. So you're backing the project with the intention of getting your money back and then some. So anyway, I had been building that out. I'd reached out to one of our main investors on the previous film. He's very interested and is committed First money in, basically. Is this someone you know excited. personally, or you just met through the last film? Met through the last film. Oh, wow. Met through cool. the last film. And um, I've seen him really take to the film business and really, and really, truly enjoys it and is really excited by it and, and motivated by it and has invested in a lot of other films in the interim, basically. So he's not sure how much he's in for, whether it's like a huge sum, a medium sum, or a smaller sum, but still... It's really nice to just have some money committed. But this company being saying they're interested, I think, is maybe even a a stretch, right? Like I said, they said they love the script. They want to know who's going to be in it. And so 
I'm trying to circle back, vet some talent, try and basically see if I can run parallel paths where I'm doing it a more traditional way where I'm using that interest to garner some commitments from talent and other companies to put the financing together that way while I'm also sort of still looking at WeFunder as not a backup plan, but maybe as another part of the equation, basically. I do wonder if you come to like a big company like a, you know, Fox Searchlight or someone, and I Mm -hmm. apologize if I'm naming companies that don't exist anymore because I don't never know who Mm -hmm. is in business and Mm -hmm. who isn't. But if you come to them and you say, hey, by the way, I have $300,000 from WeFunder already. Like, do they, Mm -hmm. you know, and and let's say it's going to be a $5 million movie. Like, does that move the needle in any way does that say like oh that helps us give someone a guarantee like a an offer or something you know yeah i mean i i think that it does in so much as like a five million dollar movie you don't often have five million dollars cash in hand do you know what i mean like the way that movies are often financed is that you say okay well i've got 350 in equity and then i've got another 200,000 in tax credits and then i've got you know, uh, I'm an MG based off of that and the talent that we have, right. minimum uh, guarantee. you know, minimum guarantee. Thank you. Um, you kind of piece it together basically. So it's not like anyone has $5 million in their bank account ready to go when a movie is ready to be made. That the nice thing actually about WeFunder, the thing that I love the most about it is that you do end up with that money in escrow, like in a bank account. And so on bigger films, the nature of cash flowing a film, if say you did want to make a $5 million movie, no one is going to put $5 million in a bank account for you. Like I said, you have like a, a pile of documents, a pile of commitments and they're, you know, legally binding. So it's not like they're nothing, but then another company comes in and says, okay, well we have a line of credit. We're going to give you that money, but you're going to, we're going to get paid to give you that money. We're going to take a, a piece and it's, it's not nothing. You know what I mean? It's real cash. And so all of a sudden your $5 million budget becomes 3.8 before you know it because of X, Y, and Z or whatever. Th- those are made up numbers, obviously, but it's not that drastic. But it it is astounding. You're like, wait a minute, I raised $5 million and this how much actually is going to go on screen just because somebody knows a banker? Yeah. yeah that's the deal. So, uh, so that's, uh, again, part of why you just have a little bit more autonomy with WeFunder. So, uh, but so I'm, I'm doing those parallel. It's exciting and a little frustrating because it's one of those things where you kind of have to explore the avenues that, you know, have, a, have, have popped up these opportunities. But this is why movies take so long. Yeah. Because it could very well, it's frankly likely, statistically speaking, it's likely that it will be a waste of time. Right. And I, I already know what you're going to answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you feel mm-hmm. like if you did not just move into a new house and have a kid, do you think they affect your timeline at all? Or do you feel like you would probably be in the same situation regardless? Because that was kind of the premise of my assertion that you would not shoot mm-hmm. anything this year. By anything, I mean your movie. I can say with certainty, with with ut- the utmost clarity, that the first half of this year was certainly slowed down by my life circumstances, because that was the time that I was spending rewriting, and like that rewrite should have taken me a month, and it took me seven. And it's I still need at least another draft before this thing is really ready to shoot. So in that sense, 
you know, people were waiting for that draft. I finally got it to them. Then the ball started rolling. So would I, if I didn't, if I was still in my apartment and didn't have a child, I think I would probably be four or five months further down the line. Does that mean that I would be rolling this year? Maybe, maybe not. I think what it really boils down to is the patience one has to see through these different opportunities, these different ways of making a film. Right. And again, most of the time, for most people, they fall through. Right. And it's a little bit of it as an endurance game. You know, some of it's like, okay, well, I'm going to keep doing this. If I had launched a WeFunder a calendar year ago, October of last year, mm-hmm. we'd be wrapped for sure. Yeah, we'd be wrapped for sure. Right. I guess kind of where obviously my point of view was coming from was not about your ability to get a film shot. It was more about the knowledge of what having a child, especially a first child, does to your schedule. And obviously you can Mm -hmm. make movies. Mm -hmm. And many, many people have been very successful with kids and families and homes and responsibilities and even full time jobs that are in different industries. But it does take a lot of attention and Again, my the premise of my of this bet was that I know you pretty well, and I know that you're gonna you're the type of dad that's gonna be very involved in your kid's life, and so sure, I just yeah 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 I'm stewing if I don't make it home for bedtime more than like if I miss one or two bedtimes in a week, I'm yeah. bent out of shape about it three, and I'm just like yeah. Furious. You also like to cook, so when you say you're stewing, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, making a reaction. <laughs> um, well, cool. Well, I uh, that's uh, exciting. I hope. Uh, I honestly hope I lose the bet, but um, but my money is on me. <laughs> sure, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Uh, but if you want to double down, of pizza, maybe we'll see. <laughs> like, uh, so, like I said, I my goal now is just to feel like I have a. A, a viable pathway forward right. to shooting it next year. That's that's really like if I if I end this calendar year effectively where I was last year, that would truly be a bummer. That would be genuinely, honest to goodness, depressing. Um, but the good news is I already have an investor, so I'm already further along. So that's great. Cool. Um, what do you think I should do, Orin? Like less, or do you think I'm going to make this movie or not? But more. Do you think that I'm going to spend two months trying to attach cast and getting disappointed and then go back to WeFunder? Or, um, I honestly think your plan of just the two pronged approach is, is the best way. It, mm-hmm. I don't know. You have it's like so dependent on where you are in your career. You made, I know you didn't direct it, but you made a movie, you know, in the last few years. You're, you're, it's not like you need mm-hmm. that experience of like make a movie no matter what, no matter what the movie is, no matter what, right? So for you, it's more sure. like you want to make your movie that's a good movie, that's like a calling card that is a, like a festival movie, like a like a festival. Yeah, but also indicative is kind of the right thing for of me. what the type of movie that you want to make mm-hmm. at the level that you want to make it. And I don't mean like at the budget that you want to make it, but at the like artistic level, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the cast, the caliber, yeah, sure. whether it's yeah, the, yeah. the writing, the pacing, the cinematography. So in that situation, I just kind of push forward. And honestly, I don't think there's like a huge difference between like a $1 million movie and a $5 million movie, like at the end of the day, which is probably, you know, or even like one and, and yeah. 10. I mean, there obviously there's going to be a lot more marketing and people will hear much more about the more expensive movie, but yeah, I, I agree. There is like, there's a world of like one, 1.5 to 2.5, somewhere in that zone. 
versus 10, yeah, you're right. It's kind of the same deal, but there is a huge difference between 350 and 1.5. Yeah. Yeah. But the company you're talking about, it would be more than 1.5, right? Yeah. You're talking about a much yeah, bigger yeah. range. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think maybe somewhere in, in that zone though, like I don't want it to be too, too much, you know? Okay. Like 2.5 I'll probably put my would checkbook be. away. five million dollars you know it's really what we're talking about is talent we're talking about um yeah how big the stars are basically um i i had a good conversation with a friend who made a um indie darling movie that like got a theatrical run picked up at one of those distributors that we all know and love um and he made his movie for like a hundred thousand dollars yeah that's the thing. It's like if there's yeah. no and, names, and, that's and, a perfect amount of money to make your movie for. Yeah, totally. And also, uh, it he made the point that I, I think bears repeating. He was like, your movie has, and his movie has this as well, like character, motivation, stakes. That's the stuff that's free. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And his movie was much more of like a thriller. There's like violence and stuff like that. But it's all... It's all about the emotion behind it. Do you know what I mean? Like, but there's a moment where like a woman, a pregnant woman, like points a pistol at her belly Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh my God, this is that like, and it's, 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 you know, paced up. It's like moving. Like this is a movie that's like, it's a thrill a second. Like every single scene is awesome. Um, And it was made for a hundred grand. I had that a hundred grand. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, just, you know, like I said, the, that stuff is free. And I think that's worth thinking through. Like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that really makes a movie intense and fun or exciting. That's just writing. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Anyway, uh, Oren, um, I'd love to know well, what you've been working on lately. But I think you want to talk about. Well, this I stuff. do want to talk. Do you but want to I do... have one one thing real quick. I actually talked yeah. to you about it off the mic for a second. And I'm curious about your opinion. Uh, so I'm working on this new campaign and the producers said, hey, you know, we need to put together the crew for this production designer, cinematographer, mm-hmm. AD, uh, food stylist. Um, and they said, who, you know, we have the people we love. Who do you want to work with? And I gave them actually three names for each position because the creative isn't locked yet. The scripts aren't even really written. It's just kind of an idea and it's mm-hmm. kind of based on trying to cast some celebrity talent. So it's based on who we get. We're going to change the creative. So yeah, I kind of set it up as this conversation starter and they're all people I like love, you know, the DPs mm-hmm. that two DPs that I love that I've worked with a bunch before production designer, same thing, two production mm-hmm. designers. I love one that I would love to work with would be like a dream. And the producers just like contacted all of them. And they said, Hey, we got this job with mm-hmm. Orrin Kaplan. Like, are you available for this and this date? Um, and then, you know, here are some of the details. And now, literally, yeah. during our our conversation, I know I told you about this a little bit, but during our conversation, I got texted from one of the production designers saying like, yeah. hey, thanks so much. I'm yeah. excited. I'm going to try to make it work. And I already know from their other emails that they're leaning towards a different production designer that Somebody they've else. already talked to. That is, And they're all friend, like, yeah. pretty good friends of mine. Yeah, I've friends. worked with them many times. Yeah. And I just feel like so mm-hmm. awkward because now it's like everyone thinks they have the job and and they know I'm the director. I think you do need to jump. I think you should jump in and be like, hey, so you know, they're looking at a, a lot of different people. So I, I don't know if they indicated that this is an offer. 
it's more of a an availability check. You know, I think you you should jump on it really quickly and you should, you know, kind of throw them on, under the bus a little bit, you know, like in a way that's honest, just be like, "Hey, we had to I had to give them a handful of names." Yeah. So there's more there's more people in play basically. That's a good um, idea. Just as a as a as an awareness thing, yeah. you know. Full disclosure, quote unquote, you know, but they did need more names. People just have to act on things. And so if you send them three names, yeah, it sounds like it was a misstep to go out to all three of the department heads. Yeah. And and I want to have a conversation and it just feels weird and it's awkward. They don't care like if people's feelings are hurt, but I do because and they, these are my relationships and my mm-hmm. group people and my friends. So yeah. anyway, what I guess I think your recommendation of just telling my friends that are were checked their available like immediately yeah. like hey just so you know this they're talking to a few people and they're just checking availabilities now yeah and and you don't think i need to say anything to the people that are calling the, to the producers basically and saying like stop calling all all my people and telling them that you have a job with me i know like producers don't love it when i kind of play things close to the chest and i the flip side is sometimes a producer will be like, oh, well, I hired this, this and that. So early on, I'll be like, hey, as a heads up, I have makeup people that I like. I have sound people that I like. Like, I know that oftentimes directors aren't making the calls on these hires. Here's my list of recommendations. Right. And I don't want it to get into like a weird like, well, I'm the director. I should be making this decision, <laughs> which, you know, I know I'm, I'm an employee also. So it's like. It's not my final, I'm not the final call, but I just, I don't know. I guess I, it, it I want to have a decision, conversation though. about it before we just like go blowing up my relationships, you know? Here's the problem. Here's the problem. If you've got two equally talented production designers, cinematographers is easier actually, two equally talented cinematographers, one who specializes in shooting cars and one who doesn't, mm-hmm. and you're shooting a car commercial even if you were the best man at this person's wedding, you probably go with the car person over the person who doesn't do cars, right? Mm-hmm. So that's not personal. It's just like, you know, and also sometimes we learn a lot from our crew members. So having a little bit, it's nice to have a shorthand, but sometimes it's nice to like find a new expert to learn a little bit from, right? Right. If that car expert is quote unquote expensive or a pain in the butt or, uh, um, gripes about rates or brings on a crew that gripes about their rates and the person who you love is real pals with the producer and will give them a rate and has owns their own camera who do you think the producers want you to hire person who owns their own camera or the expert at the car right the camera person the person who owns their own camera producers always always especially at these big companies that make a lot of things they just want it to be easy right you know the gray areas where there's one person you've maybe worked with them and they shoot cars and this other person you're i've worked with them a couple times and like them but you like their car stuff better than the other person's car stuff you know that's like when it does start getting a little personal where it's like if one of us is up against carlin and they're like, we're like, hey, hire us. And they're like, yeah, we like Carlin. We just like like her sense of comedy better. That would be, mm-hmm. you know, they think it's not personal, but it's, <laughs> we would probably take it pretty personally. Wounds. Yeah. yeah. So my, if we have any producers listening or people that are hiring other people, I would just, just keep in mind that there is like, you know, this 
business is built on relationships. And so just be extremely clear when you say like, hey, we got your name from so-and-so. We're talking about doing a project with them. We wanted to see what your availability and interest was on this date. It's just so much better than like, hey, are you available for this? We have a shoot with this person. Because um, I, I just think it's important to set people's expectations up. It, it's not important. It's just like nice. And I know I, it happens to me all the time. Mm-hmm. Someone's like, hey, are you available? You're perfect for this thing. And I'm like, yes. And we get on the phone and we send clips and we do all this this stuff. And then they're like, okay, yeah, they actually weren't that into your stuff. So um, yeah. So, yeah, great. Okay. so on that topic, maybe let's dive into our main topic, which uh, we will briefly speak. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. speak about which is making first impressions Mm -hmm. and i think there are two areas that we wanted to explore first topic nowadays we're all meeting clients potential business partners crew people everyone on some sort of video call Mm -hmm. and we are encouraged to be cool and collaborative and i'm curious kind of what your like, let, let's say just hypothetically, you're up against a few other directors to direct a really cool branded short film for BMW. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the people that wrote the script and are looking for the director want to have a call with you. And maybe there'll be someone from BMW on there and someone, you know, like mm-hmm. a, a creative person that works on BMW and it's, uh, your producer. Um, right. And you're going to all have this Zoom call. There's going to be like five to 10 people on the call. What do you do to prepare for a call like this? 
Well, I think we can break it down. There's a handful of things that you have control over. You have control over your grooming and wardrobe. Okay. You have control over your lighting. You have control sure. over your camera placement. You have con- control over your background. Mm-hmm. Right. So those aesthetically, just straight up like frame one, those are the things you can control. Right. Right. You know, you know a grooming and wardrobe. Yeah, you are kind of trying to send a message. And it's a thing that I do think about a little bit more lately. Um, because uh, I uh, I got really bored by like corporate wardrobe, like you know a baby blue Oxford and uh, a pair of gray bonobos. Like I was like, Ugh. so I started wearing like more prints and things like that. And then I was like, dang, you weren't wearing a lot of prints for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a, I'm a little Tommy Bahama right now, or like a little <laughs> like beer belly north hollywood dad do you know what i mean like just mm-hmm. like a faded uh ramones t-shirt and some like checked fans and it's like hey man it's yeah you know, cargo it's shorts not, i'm i'm a step away from cargo shorts for sure and so uh you know you look at a picture of taika waititi on set and look that's a good looking director he's a sharp dressed man but like he certainly isn't wearing like his um you know vintage taxi driver t-shirt with his beer belly hanging out right um and so I think, you know, you do need to be thoughtful about that a little bit. Um, I mean, do you, I, I like worry about looking cool, you know, especially when you're sure. That, with, well, that's what I'm saying. That's what people. I'm saying. I was trying to look cooler. Young people wear print shirts all the time. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like I said, there's a difference between, you know, a Tommy Bahama vibe, <laughs> you know, and maybe my, my beard is a little more salt and pepper now. And, you know, you got to keep it a little bit tighter and all that. That's one of them. I think also camera placement is important as well. And lighting is important because the bags under your eyes or the double chin or, um, you know, if you're younger, you've got a breakout or whatever. There's all sorts of different aesthetics that you need to be aware of. And like, uh, I would say, go take a look at a tutorial. There, there are plenty of like how to self shoot, like how to make your zoom look good. Hop on YouTube and do that stuff, actually. Like, find decent lighting, figure that stuff out. Because even, like, the best-looking, youngest people can look too tired for a Zoom or can look better based off of the control of the camera and the placement. And as directors, that's something that, A, you should be good at, and B subliminally does affect things you know what i mean yeah i mean that's the weird thing because we're directors i I feel like people expect us to have big personality either big personalities or incredibly small personalities you know Mm -hmm. yeah people do love it when they're like uh, like without just like barely saying anything but wearing a really Mm -hmm. interesting hat or something or have like some weird Mm -hmm. accent um and then yeah like what if I had like a college, you know, Jim Belushi college poster in the background, probably mm-hmm, pretty, mm-hmm. pretty basic taste. Um, I unfortunately have this like giant softbox light for my wife's auditions. It's always up behind me and it takes a long time to tear down and it doesn't fit through a door. And I have a big mirror behind me. So I like my entire room is visible and it's uh, it's always an issue. But but I, I think, you know, people get the visual thing, you know, you just, you want to kind of look cool. Sure. You got to be cool and, and, uh, and well, whatever. And, I guess to your point, like looking cool is, is tricky. You yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. Yeah. But 
but let's say that's, that's a whole yeah. horse of a different color for sure. Going beyond that, like what's what's the vibe? Do because to me that there's always this balance between like uh, interested and mm-hmm. uh, honest. You know, like oh, mm-hmm. I love your concept versus that's a cool concept, but like. How, why, like, why are you doing this thing? And, you know, could, what if we did this? Wouldn't it be better? Yeah. Like kind of that. And then also just the, like the thirstiness of it all. Like, do you come in with like 20, 20 thoughts ready and questions, or do you kind of just try mm-hmm. to come in with like a big thesis and converse and, and doesn't matter what your personality is. Like should, should each person yeah. kind of approach it in, an, in their own unique way? So, so here's, here's the bottom line for me. I think you need to be honest with yourself about what you're great at, right? Um, I can be, I'm pretty good about talking about filmmaking. We've been making this podcast for years. Um, yeah, you're getting there. Uh, yeah, and eventually I'll be all right. Um, no, I, I'm, I, I can be, I can show my enthusiasm and passion and love for filmmaking and my love of jokes and silliness. Um, but do you feel and, obligated to be funny, especially if it's like a comedy project? I, I tend to turn the charm on a little bit for sure. T- turn the energy on, but, but more importantly, I think it's, it, you have to be honest with yourself about what you're great at and what you're not great at and trying to do something that's outside of your wheelhouse or not true to your, voice I think is self-sabotage and I understand that there are going to be people who find you charming and there are going to be people who don't find you charming are there going to be people who find you funny or there are people who don't find you funny with the same jokes Mm -hmm. right or find you aloof versus think that you're a introspective genius you don't have any control over that right like uh, within reason obviously like if you keep making jokes and no one has ever laughed at a joke you make maybe you're not funny Right. Maybe, maybe you should try <laughs> right. a different take. But at this point in your life and in your career, you've done hundreds of calls and, and, and won many, many, many jobs. And sometimes this is the, this is the hard truth. Sometimes you're just not going to win the job because they don't like you. Right. They don't think you're the right and, fit. Yeah. 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 Do you think, what do you and think about like, that's it. uh, like swearing and like slang and like, is that the type of thing that you kind of feeling out? Because I just pitched on this, I had a call today and the campaign is, it kind of plays on the, on the F word. mm -hmm. So we were saying the F word a lot, but I kind of said, I started off saying F word and then I said, fuck a couple of times, but I, you know, Mm -hmm. I still felt like. You do need to, you need to read the room for sure. I I think also sometimes if there are awkward things or there are question marks, like, you know, there's the screenwriting term, hang a lantern on it, Mm -hmm. like bring it up, be like, Hey guys. I'm going to say fuck a couple times because that's what we're all saying and we're all adults. I hope that's okay. Right. I think that that is maybe the move. So yeah, definitely read the room. If you're a person who swears a lot and someone blanches when you drop an F-bomb, then, you know, maybe you dial it back. You've probably already lost it. (laughs) There's not a ton you can do about it. Yeah, I wouldn't swear. I'd look nice. You know, there are some basic interview things, you know, uh, uh, but also I wouldn't wear a tie. Right. Unless I was like Mr. Formal all the time and I'm, you know, going out right. for like lifestyle pieces or like something. Like that's like your that, look. You know? Yeah. If you're Tom Ford, you don't show right, up exactly. in a tank top. Right. 
I've thought a lot about like physical appearance in terms of just like, like I said, bags under your eyes, being in shape, you know, having a clean white smile, uh, that sort of stuff. I do think does make a difference. You're like 90% of whether you get the job or not is what you look like. <laughs> uh, no, well, but we're talking about first impressions, right? Okay, yeah. And this is Hollywood, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think it is part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, and we're talking about things that you have control over. I'm not saying, are you attractive or aren't you? Right, right. No, right. no, for That's sure. That's different. It, yeah. But we both know directors who, uh, or we've lost out direct two directors hotter than us. And that's kind of been. Never. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, of course. But, and yes, yeah. like I've definitely been in a situation where I'm like, ah, oh, that, that other director is so cool. Look at their Instagram. So cool. Look at their photography. Yeah, yeah. Look at their car. Yeah, look yeah. at their this. Look at their style cool haircut and like yeah it's not about money necessarily it's about a joie de vivre you know what i mean yeah like there's someone you're pitching against a rock star do you in Mm -hmm. those situations if you ever know that you're up against like a rock star type person do you try to lean in the other direction like oh i'm a graphic novel guy (laughs) you know um no no i i again i think you gotta be you do you orin that's the thing you know, I'm a little boring right now. I'm less up to date on what's in theaters right now or what the hot TV show is. I couldn't really be conversant about that stuff, but I could talk about my baby a lot. Yeah. And that's going to win me a diapers commercial and lose me a music video. Hopefully. Unless the music video is about, you know, talking babies or whatever. Yeah. That's right? where I get frustrated is when it is the diapers commercial and I do lose it to someone that has not been within a hundred miles of a child in the last five years, mm-hmm. but they are super cool, you know? Um, sure. Well, again, you don't have any control over that. Yeah. Right? I guess the other thing is just the, like, do you think it's better to come in with like a lot of ideas on the concept or better to kind of listen and, and offer ideas on the fly, even though like in, it might come off as like less prepared. It's worth it to do due diligence to give it some thought, to write down some notes, to come in prepared. And showing that you're prepared, I think, is always a winning combination. And also, when the currents shift in a way that you didn't prep for, being willing to like jump in and throw out ideas and pitch things and all of that. The, uh, I think maybe what you're getting at that's a little tricky is that they are interviewing you to see how, like what your voice is, what your vision is right. for this, you this project. Things. Mm-hmm. So your the approach, I think, is always going to be pretty clear. And I think that I don't want to say that's rote, but like your your approach is your approach is your approach. Mm-hmm. You like to prep. Here's your here are the documents, et cetera. Right. And like that's something that you're always going to be revising and learning how to present better. Yeah. Today I um, had a call and I was like, when I look at I was talking about this project, it's not fully formed yet. And I said, you know, when I start thinking about how we're going to make this and what it's going to be like, I like to start thinking about locations and cast. Mm-hmm, and if we mm-hmm. can really kind of focus on figuring that out first, I think the other things, the the dialogue, the VO, Locking, all these things yeah. can kind of come down. But this is how I like to start. And I, I felt like mm-hmm. whether that's a good or bad thing, I, I don't know. But I think it felt like I was trying, I was directing them to to have a starting to point underst- and some milestones. And I think that's the best take because it's like you're saying you're explaining to them why you care about the things that you care about Mm -hmm. like i've been saying sometimes you don't have any control over it sometimes they'll be like well this is only about cast cast and cast is the first thing or cast and wardrobe and you who cares about locations whatever right um uh the the thing that's 
the hardest that I think you were hinting at is that you want to have firm ideas, vision, quote unquote, and also be collaborative because and not seem unsure of yourself. Right. Collaboration versus uh, weakness. And I think that honestly, a lot of that has to do with people who haven't been on set, haven't done the job or have done it only a handful of times thinking that a director should be didactic, that they should be prescribing specifically exactly what they want down to the letter. And that is true for geniuses with decades of experience and perfect track records and unlimited resources. So I'm saying David Fincher and Chris Nolan can do that. Right. You know, I worked Um, with Mike Mills a few times and mm -hmm. uh, he's, I worked on a few commercials where he just came in and wrote a new script and they just (laughs) shot it. Uh, Like his pitch was like, Hey, how about we do this instead? And because he is who he is, yeah, yeah, they do it. If I did that, they'd say, sorry, thank you. Next. I I rewatched the uh, intro to uh, Austin Powers three gold member, which is on HBO max. Mm -hmm. And that's the one where like Tom Cruise is playing Austin in the film adaptation of, of, uh, and so uh, at the yeah. end, you know, like they call cut and like the crew comes to life and they're moving sets and all that stuff. And Steven Spielberg uh, leans over to Austin in Video Village and is like, hey, what do you think? Do you have any thoughts? And Austin is like, oh, yeah, actually, I had a few notes. <laughs> um, and then Steven Spielberg, <laughs> we cut back to him and uh, he holds up his Oscar and he says, I think my friend right here thinks it's good how it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that is the thing. <laughs> Um, well, so, so uh, I imagine that's what Mike Mills did too. He just carries the Oscar around. That's, I think that's his personality, right? It's just, um, yeah. Uh, really I mean, it's not, but man. yes, that there is something <laughs> he's it's not, it's not at all. I think pretty famously. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you feel like there, it's important to stay positive to like give, like try to be yeah, very, I do. I do constructive. Yeah. I, I, I think that even if you uh, hate the idea. Like that's, that's where the authenticity yes. versus the, yes. Yeah. Collaboration I think part of the job hard. is, is like figuring out how to make it good, you know? And I think that the, you're right. The more authority you have, the more you can kind of pivot and, and pitch things and tweak things. But also, you know, I, I can think very specifically of a, of a time where I was pitching something that I thought was really, really cool. And the brand was already on board, but they had tweaks that ruined it just made it uh, no just different you know and all of a sudden i was like oh it's just not brand appropriate it's just not it's not on brief and so like you know if something is too dark or if it's too scary or if the host is in a negative light or there's all sorts of things that you know you just have to be aware of and that no matter how cool this take is or the style is you know or how funny it is if the consumer is the butt of the joke or if the tone is too dark or whatever there's things that you just kind of miss and you have to hear that you know what i mean and that that could be a real reframing of the way you saw things and and a a big pivot you know one of my biggest i feel like missions when i start one of these calls is to figure out how much the creative people on the call like the the concept and the creative uh, mm-hmm. And if I feel like they're really excited by it, then I try to stick to it. You know, I obviously I'll mm-hmm. try to plus it as much as I can. If I feel like they're like, yeah, this is what it is. We, you know, honestly, we just kind of did what our boss told us to do on this. We don't quite get even why we're doing it. Then 
I try to maybe yeah bring, maybe you help them bring out. some bigger yeah, ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's it's tricky. Uh, I do think like one, two, just two tips from my own experience, and I don't know if they apply to everyone else. And that's to try to use everyone's name on the Zoom at least once. You know, mm-hmm. like oh yeah, I love what what Kathy said. You know, I think we could kind of shoot this this part in stop motion and it would be cool like this and i've done this before and this is why that that would work so well you know and would give us this feeling like just mm-hmm. i try to and i say everyone's name at least one time because i want them to know that i'm listening to them um mm-hmm. and and it you know it, it also like sometimes you honestly don't know who is like in charge of who, who did, who who's who's what? boss mm-hmm. yeah so it's yeah. just important to make everyone feel heard uh, regardless, I mean, but also career wise, it's helpful. Part of what we're talking about, though, is doing a good job of showing the way you work, right? So, mm-hmm. like having active strategies to be an active listener, to engage, all of those things that you kind of learn in public speaking and all of the stuff that you have in high school or whatever, all of that stuff comes into play here, but it's especially complicated because we're no longer in the same room together, right? So, so name checking is like a thing where you, it's like rather than eye contact with like, oh, I think you said this thing or I love this or that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Naming someone is the new eye contact. It also helps me, you know, I do this, this is one of my things, but it helps me remember people's names when I use them. Yeah. And so the, the other thing, and this is something I've kind of come to realize more recently. It's like something I knew and then kind of, I forgot and remembered again recently is no one wants you to come onto a call and just tell them how much you love the concept and just agree with every single thing they say. They want you to have an opinion. I mean, if, if they're hiring you as a creative, as a director, as someone that has a quote unquote vision, uh, they want you to say like, oh yeah, I like this. And like, what if we added this mm-hmm. to it? Or between these two things, I think this one's really cool. And I think we can find something here as well because I have yeah. done a few calls where I was like, I love it, you know? That's so awesome. Yeah. Oh, and how would we do that? Oh, great. Yeah. I, that, I was thinking the same yeah. thing. Like I was being honest, like I did like it and I did agree with other people's ideas, but I wasn't the conversation. Maybe I wasn't bringing that much to the conversation because I was just yeah. so agreeable on everything. And so that that's my other thing. Have an opinion. Yeah, ha- have an opinion plus things if you like them. I think that's great. It, it, it reminds me of I did a, a pitch not that long ago, where I had like a nice warm up call with one of the two creatives. We walked through things. We talked about things. I threw out a few ideas in the moment. It went great. Nailed it. Textbook. Awesome. And I think I was probably the guy. If that was the only call that anyone had, I think I probably would have been the choice. It felt really, really, really good. Mm -hmm. But one of the other creatives the two the uh, the other half of the decision making equation was on vacation or something like that so then you know i put together my treatment and all this stuff and i go into the next call and kind of say the same things again mhm and uh you know just didn't have the same mojo baby um that i had that first co- time around it was a little less spontaneous all of that and I imagine, looking back on it, that the first person who I had the call with probably said all of the highlights, all the best stuff to their partner. It's like, oh, I think Matt's really great. He threw this idea out and that idea out. I can't wait to see what he comes up with. I think he could be our guy. I couldn't believe it. I th- like like I said, for sh- it was like a A plus first call and like a B minus second call. 
Yeah. And didn't get it. And that happens all the time. You're on a high and then you forget yeah. that you need to go higher. You got to stay frosty. Yeah. Oh, my wife. Yeah. I can't forget this story. I mean, she told it. This happened like 10 years ago, but she went to a commercial audition where she had to do some dance that was choreographed and she learned the dance and she did it mm-hmm. uh, take and, you know, she even added a button and she said this thing and everyone was cracking mm-hmm. up and they're like, just for fun. The director was like, let's just do one more and just do something different this time. You know, just make it your own. And she is not a choreographer and she was like, okay. And she did the exact same dance all over sure. again. And to be fair to your wife, I've seen that happen many, many, many times, whether it's a choreographed dance or not. Like if you learned the part, the way you learn the part, Mm -hmm. it's in your brain, you know? Yeah. But she told me, she's like, as soon as we finished, it was like, I was a different person. Like you could tell the Uh room was so disappointed, you know? (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, but they acted like they're not because that's what we do as directors. Uh Like, great, great adjustment. Wow. Oh, cool. Thanks so much, Kara. (laughs) And then, uh, Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then they write a big yeah. D minus on the... Yeah, they just put her headshot in the, the big <laughs> pile and not the little pile. Yeah, <laughs> in the shredder. <laughs> anyway, yeah. let's let's hop on to our other topic real quick because I know we got like five minutes left. Um, but I, I just wanted to get just a real quick overview from you. When someone says, Matt, you know, we have a job. It's got cars, let's say, in it. Mm-hmm. Send us your... I, I've got a better example. Puppets. Okay puppets okay I, I was up for a cool job celebrity okay it's got puppets. puppets celebrity puppets send us your stuff we know mm-hmm. you had mentioned you maybe done puppets before you've done celebrities before mm-hmm. send us your stuff i've got a talking tomato mm-hmm. but it's meant to feel like a sesame street episode and it was for facebook watch so it's shot vertically okay i see i think the vertical to me what makes something feel bad is Nine out of 10 times is the editing. Mm-hmm. And then one out of 10 times, it's the cinematography. It's part of a um, sketch series. So it's not a commercial. It's just a little excerpt. Right. So that's the other thing. Like when you want to show people mm-hmm. stuff you've done, like right now, you know, I, I was pitching, I'm pitching on, I don't actually even know if I'm going to get, we're still just sending samples, but on something that's supposed to be kind of like this 90s parody. And I've done all these 90s parodies, but they're like four to five minutes each. Old. You know? Oh, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no one is going to sit down and watch a five minute sketch. Do you have time to cut cut it into a little excerpt? Just take the shots that are the right ones? Because for sure. You lose the whole story, you know, I think if you yeah. do that. I mean, yeah. yes, sure. I could spend a day doing that. But am I going to do that mm-hmm. every time I submit work to anyone? So what I do instead, which... Also, we talked about in the podcast is I'll send, hey, here's a parody thing. It's got this like 90s vibe. I think it's really mm-hmm. funny, but it's really long. So do with it what you will. Maybe just mention to them that I used to do this stuff a lot, but not I didn't have anything recent I wanted to show. Um, and then yeah. I'll send something else like, hey, this is like the same tone, but it's, you know, a different style. Or this is like kind of a, the same type of cinematography, but with a different tone. And I tried to show them the building blocks of what I've done in my Mm -hmm. career that will add up to what they want. But I think it's, I personally think it's really important to not send stuff that you watch and you're like, ah, the editing's bad. The the sound's bad. The color's bad. Unless it's a, it's like a DIY type thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. There are exceptions to the rule, but for the most, if you're, if you have to caveat anything with like, 
we shot this a really long time ago. Yeah, we shot this during COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How many times if you have to if you have to make any caveat or like we did this under a really low budget or whatever, it's if you caveat it, it won't work. Um my ultimate take on this, and this isn't super helpful for listeners, but maybe you can find the equivalent. This to me is why having an EP uh and being exclusive with a company is the best. This is this is exactly when the advantages of uh, a rep who is in your corner and knows your body of work super, super well and also knows the client and knows advertising space in general. This is their superpower. This is their expertise, right? So Jackie, my rep at Kin, old friend, knows my reel kind of better than I do at this point. And so I, she'll say, hey, Matt, do you have any puppet stuff? And I can send her the tomato puppet sketch. And then she can objectively be like, mm, this isn't good enough. And it won't hurt my feelings or like, oh, yeah, I think this will work. And if we put it low enough in the reel, then we show we lead with the best stuff. And then eventually we show some more proof of concept sort of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But the the real advice is like having someone who knows your material really well and also who can be honest with you, I think, is kind of the crucial thing that's helpful in this front. Yeah. And I think to generalize it more, I would encourage people to send less versus more, <laughs> shorter versus mm-hmm, longer. Mm-hmm. Like I've done all these, you know, web series and things. I did a tourism show where we had five episodes and I only send the trailer because it's kind of perfect mm-hmm. for so many things. It's like two funny people like running around San Francisco and L.A. Mm-hmm. doing different things. But if you watch, no, no one will sit through the show, but they'll watch the one minute trailer no one will sit through the show. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's like if you've, if, if it's work with a lion and you've shot a lion, but it's just not good, I would just say, oh, I've worked with a lion before, but don't send the clip, you know? Yeah. Do you agree with that? I would agree with that. And I think, yeah, I, 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 I I'm stammering because, I feel for listeners at home who made a cool lion short in film school mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, less is more lead with your best stuff. If you have yeah. to make a caveat. And but honestly, that's part of what's so of cool about Instagram. Like whenever I'm shoot something that I don't think is, it's not going to make my website. Mm-hmm. It's not going to make my reel. I just post some stills from set, you know, behind the scenes. You look, you look so cool. And maybe a cool shot um, of like from the, from the, project but bts or whatever yeah 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 you with the crew always looks cool i wonder if people coming up now are gonna have less of a problem with their footage looking old than we did when we were coming up because it was like the the camera improvements were so vast between generations when we were in our like early 20s it was like you went from a good v like cheap dv camcorder that could shoot hd to something that was 24p to some you know like the 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 jumps in quality were huge so like that cool web series that you shot on a 24p panasonic handy cam or whatever looks unusable now yeah whereas like you know if you had like something that was shot on a red mx versus a red komodo like it doesn't matter it's fine basically once you're into real cameras but all that DSLR stuff is basically unusable. Maybe. You know, Depends if you're doing like a docu-style yeah. Yeah, or something. It, it can yeah. work. Yeah, for me, that's 
I've kind of been shooting on like red or whatever for like at least like 15 years, but right. The, right. To me, the problem is the pacing. You see something and you're like, Oh, this mm. feels old because in 2005, we were pacing things much differently than 2020, right? A six yeah. second commercial would be a ridiculous joke at the time. Um, and now it's like, Oh yeah, here's a six. Yeah. I'll watch three of that's it. Like, <laughs> that's like, that's like a joke in a 30 rock episode. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. Tracy gets hired to do like six second commercials. <laughs> How crazy. We have no attention span. Oh man. Yeah. Um, it's great. I say three words, lemon. Yeah. Well, I'd love yeah. to hear from our I listeners. I love dog food. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to hear from our listeners what they think, uh, is it better to send more or less? Is it better to show someone that you've done it this before? Um, you know what I do a lot in my treatments is I'll, hmm. I'll, take one or two shots from my work that is relevant because I did a bunch of stuff with dogs back in the day but I, I don't love the final spots but there's some nice shots dog shots mm-hmm. and I'll just like in cut it treatment. into like a quick yeah. montage and I'll just put it on Vimeo and yeah put it in a treatment or something yeah and make my own mini reel I have an important correction to make yes Jack would be pro six second commercials he would be pitching them to lemon Tracy would get on board that would be the way it would work in a 30 rock. Yeah. And then Jack important to McBrayer, uh, the, mm-hmm. the page Kenneth, sure. Kenneth would uh, accidentally record himself mm-hmm. trying to tie his shoes for six seconds and it would go viral. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a huge go. hit uh, for NBC. And we'd be like tying shoelaces is the devil's work. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, okay, cool. So yeah, please call us Robert Carlyle and Tina Fey. Yeah. We're available. Please let us know uh, your thoughts on first impressions. If you have any tips or tricks, we'd love to share them with our audience. And what you think about Reels, you can email us at justshootitpod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at justshootitpod. You want to do a quick unpaid endorsement? Unpaid endorsements. My unpaid endorsement is an Orrin Kaplan special. Ooh. Casey Neistat is uh, vlogging again. He moved back to New York and he's making like... Uh, regular old vlogs he did one about cutting a door into his uh studio space yeah so nice that and there's something really comforting it feels like 2015 all over again um but also to your point about the nature of editing and the style of shooting uh, i think if you looked at his earliest vlogs to now you will see a very distinct evolution even though it feels like he's one of the people kind of setting the tone for what youtube looks and feels and sounds like there's a very distinct evolution there's a lot more like him talking with the camera pointed at the ground hmm. normally you'd be like this shot is unusable but it's all he almost treats it like b-roll and as viewers we're aware that like sometimes people Things are happening so the feeling is that things are happening so quickly that Casey's not like, hey, do you mind being in my vlog? Hold on. Let's capture this conversation. He's getting the conversation and he's just using their voice and a shot of their shoes. Like it feels like he's literally just dropped the camera down and then is back up. But the pacing is so fast and it feels so frenetic that it, it doesn't bump for anyone. It's really fascinating. So, uh, you know, whether you like him or hate him. I don't really care, but I think there is certainly stuff to learn from, not necessarily for your own aesthetic, but just in terms of the way that people are making and consuming media now. Is um, He's on the bleeding edge, man. Yeah, he's incredibly talented and really knows how to get and keep people's attention. I mean, it's a pretty engaging story about cutting a wall. It's literally if you like were making a fake vlog for a character, mm-hmm. that's like what they yeah, would yeah. be making it about. <laughs> yeah. 
mine real quick. Uh, Trader Joe's snacks. You know, I love snacks. I found these trail mix crackers. You might think they're disgusting. I think they're really interesting. They've got mung beans, seeds, cashews, raisins, and cheese. Sounds weird, but like kind of hits the spot regardless of what you're looking for. Some people will like them. Trail mix crackers. Maybe don't lead with mung bean. I know. That's why it's so weird. That's why I got them because I was like, ooh, weird. I don't even know what that is. Uh, And then also, if you just want to go for an easy crowd pleaser, the many things snack mix is like Trader Joe's Chex Mix, but just kind of, you know, some extra good things. Honey roasted peanuts, spicy, and honey butter cereal squares, corn sticks, pretzels, and savory bread chips. And everyone in my family likes them. Living that snack life. Yeah. So if you're a Trader Joe's and you're looking for something new, I like those too. And I also actually really like these, I feel like I'm going to fall off, or the Salsa Verde tortilla chips uh and they, t- they taste like what they sound like and you know mm-hmm. it's really hard to go wrong with them <sighs> well you're not talking about the elote tortilla chips anymore so no i overdid it i od'd weather. on them i yeah. can't i can't eat them anymore i ate like so many bags in a row <laughs> i had to stop okay that said this episode is edited by one of us rate us on itunes the music you're listening to is from them is from the free music archive and the artist jazar and we will catch you next time Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.